0: Hey guys, welcome to the show, to the Radical Radiance show. I am your host, Camille Rose Fields, coming at you from the beautiful state of Maine. I am so freaking pumped right now. This episode is so fun. You guys are going to love it. All about astrology with my really good friend, Amy Green. I've known her many years. So we got together in person on my cozy couch and it's so much fun I just like let's do this okay let's jump in because you are gonna love all of the wonderful gems that she shares on the episode today and without further ado Amy Green let's do this Amy Green my personal astrologer and also astrologer to many friends of mine I'm so excited you're on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thank
1: you so much, Camille. (laughs) I've been looking forward to this one for a long time.
0: Yeah. You know, Amy actually has been one of those people in my life, potentially because of the astrology thing, but maybe just because of our friendship who helped me figure out that this is something I wanted to be doing is interviewing people and coming out with a show. And so- Thank you for all of the encouragement <laughs> along the way. Um, I've oh, known you're
1: Brown to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's unstoppable, sort of. Um, I have known Amy for a long time, and we've known each other through many different chapters. And so, this is a really yeah. fun time for both of us in life and in the world. And I'm really excited that you are now teaching about astrology and that you have gotten to delight so many of my friends with your astrology readings and I just think it's so fun. Well, ditto. I'm
1: 100% really excited about this current version of ourselves.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Because we've seen so many different- We really have. We've overlapped in a lot of different ways through a lot of different eras. Yeah. Like personal eras. Yeah. So I'm- I'm all about this one. <laughs> yeah, this is good. one. This is a
0: good one. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to just kind of get a little history from you. As far as astrology goes, what got you into this type of work?
1: Well, I think that my interest was always there, mm-hmm. but and my research, but my willingness to like prioritize the things in life that mm-hmm. actually make you tick mm-hmm. say oh that's just a hobby well actually it's really a vibrant part of who I am <laughs> right right uh and it, I think it actually goes all the way back to in college I studied art history mm-hmm. and ancient Greek mm-hmm. and kind of had the the knowledge that there were untranslated texts out there right from ancient astrology right before I think that was even really well known in the more modern astrology movement. So right. it's an interesting path I've taken at this point, but yeah, I'm not that many um, classes into cur- my current study. Like I've only been giving, given professional readings for the last year at this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. when I was brave enough to really take off with that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. pretty excited.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it goes, it's, been been in me for a long time yeah um I took I just realized that I picked up this book when I just I think I was a recent college graduate and Mm -hmm. I was in Colorado Mm -hmm. and my roommate at the time did my Mayan astrology Mm -hmm. and then I was hooked on that and I was converting everyone's birthdays into the Mayan calendar right And at this point I look back and I think oh that was a weird Cultural appropriative
2: right book. I wonder yeah. where that
1: even came from and yeah. what the premise of the astrology in it was. Because I think now, yeah, maybe it was just converting some Western
2: astro- I, right. I don't know. I'll
0: have to. I'll I have don't know look much into that. about <laughs> Mayan astrology. It exists. It does exist. <laughs> <laughs> um. So just real basic. Why? What? If If someone who's listening is really new to astrology, or maybe. Uh, slightly resistant to ast- astrology, or maybe you know all of the, they've done is look up their horoscope a time or two and I remember I remember being a kid and reading the newspaper and always looking for my horoscope in like the actual newspaper yeah. way back when. So can you kind of give us a little background why would somebody even want to know more about their own personal astrology and their birth chart what is kind of what is the point
1: yeah well
0: when you start thinking
1: of our solar system as a unit Mm -hmm. because space expands outside of our solar system Mm -hmm. every little solar system out there is drifting apart right but our ours is staying cohesive like it's our sun's gravitational field we are a being right right all these planets and it's not science yeah. astrology is not science yeah. it's divination it's omenology right. like it is a vibrant magical practice so anyone who i mean we rely on science a lot mm-hmm. to tell us exactly where the planets are mm-hmm. but really it's this massive time clock mm-hmm. and when you come into the picture all of the different cycles of like the Jupiter-Saturn cycle defines certain qualitative things about time. right? And when you come into that, well, you're either at the closing of it or the opening of it. And yeah. that really will give you, it gives you a position in the unfolding of history, mm-hmm. really, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And then when those configurations come around again, or similar ones, it unlocks and opens things in you that maybe we're having a hard time like feeling like their time had come right and I just I believe in time as so much more of a um like yeah qualitative
2: right thing
1: right right a landscape in physical space has different qualities Mm -hmm. so they're mountainous Mm -hmm. you want to have the right gear for the mountains Right. So if the time comes around that you could describe as more like a little more mountainous, which is what we're getting into now, okay. the time we're in right now. Okay. It's a little tough, actually. Right. Um, you want to have the right gear for that. Right. So when you understand what your birth chart is telling you about the cycles that you belong to and what you really like are here walking. Right. Then it, it's given a lot of, uh, it's given a lot of meaning to a lot of people in different ways. Yeah. I think. It's worth looking into. It's at least fun. Oh right? my gosh. <laughs> I
0: like, I still need to write you a personal testimonial. <laughs> um, I got my chart done with Amy at a time when there were a lot of sort of options laid out in front of me and I had gotten my chart read initially by somebody in Los Angeles when I was maybe 21, 22 in that range. And I always wished I had a recording of it, but it wasn't, I didn't have you know, access to a smartphone and it, at that time, or maybe it wasn't a thing to you know, just record things as easily as it is on your smartphone nowadays. Yeah. But I, I was mind blown by the information. And at the time it was very overwhelming to me So there was about, let's see, 12 years in between that first reading that I only remembered a little bit about and felt really overwhelmed by, and then my reading with you, and what happened for me was all of these aspects of myself that I had sort of tucked away or um, like you know, put down beneath the surface. It was, it was as though I was getting permission to finally be all these different parts of myself that I wasn't really sure. Is this more of a reaction to something in my life or is this really, truly who I am? Is this like, um, an opportunity that I wanted to explore or is this more like my path? And so, when I got that reading done with you, it was, I mean, I'm still soaking up some of the information from that and I still use it. And this is now well over a year, I think. I still use it all the time for myself as here, this is something to give yourself permission about. This is okay. This is actually just who you are and are meant to be. And so I like, I can't, you know, recommended enough to get your chart done by somebody who's good, you know, who knows what they're talking about. And I know that I'm sure that there's a wealth of really great astrologers out there these days doing amazing readings. And more now
1: than ever. Right. Because
0: the internet.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can actually (laughs) take classes and get to an advanced level a lot um, more readily. Than mm-hmm. some of our more recent wonderful mm-hmm. teachers who have hacked their way through so much right. old material to bring right. a lot of it out. Right, there's been a real resurgence um, since the 60s. It was very uh, psychological okay. astrology. Right. So a reading that you were likely to get may have been an overwhelming. Here are all the things in your birth chart. Right. Whereas the traditional techniques that have been added can actually give you some bearings for this is when mm-hmm. this aspect is likely to come out. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that simplifies a lot of what you can receive in a reading, right? right? So I do actually heartily recommend looking for people who have studied a little of the traditional okay. as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when you're in a reading, a lot is going to come at you and only keep what sticks. Right. Recordings, yes, every time. Definitely record them. Yeah. So much. Yeah. But at the same time, an astrologer is just taking keywords Mm -hmm. for each planet. So each planet has its own keywords, archetypes, the things that go with it. Mm -hmm. Each relationship to the other planets Mm -hmm.
0: aspects
1: add more keywords. Here are how those dynamics are interacting. Yeah. And then put them in the signs, and here's the area of life in the houses, you know, so you're just layering all these keywords to create these sentences to give people. Right. I don't know through any kind of psychic or like cold reading or like, I'm not doing any of those um, where it's coming from me so much Mm -hmm. stuff. I'm just applying all these keywords. Yeah. (laughs) So some of it's going to resonate. Right. And that's when it's powerful because you realize that this is a very old, Mm -hmm. Very systematic way of using symbols and it's still working for people. Right. Yeah.
0: So can you break it down for us? I did a little thing on my story recent, my Instagram story recently asking people what their sun, moon and rising signs were and shared mine. And um, I know that those are sort of like the top three that people want to know about themselves and that's kind of what we memorize the rest of my chart I don't have memorized so can you explain a little bit why that's why why is that a thing why do we want to know all three of those things about our chart and what is that how does that help us
1: well the rising sign really does mean what was rising on the eastern horizon when you were born Mm -hmm. what point of the sky was where heaven met earth right and that is, I mean, in so many traditions and cultures, you look to the Eastern point as the beginning of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's where the sun rises, which is where that comes from, right? Right. So this, this um, resonance with that point yeah. is just echoed in so many different places. Right. And that is absolutely true in astrology. So your rising sign tends to form a lot of your actual physical characteristics and the kind of package you present to the world. Right. Your mannerisms. And if you have a planet there in your, near your ascendant or your rising sign, same thing. Ascendant is rising sign. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Well, ascendant is the particular degree. Oh. Within your rising sign. Got it. Okay. Um, If there's a planet around that, then that planet is going to come out in your actual physical world, in your body, how you look, what you do, what you mm. present. Like I have Saturn there. It's, I attribute some of my shortness to that. <laughs> <laughs> Even basic things like that.
2: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And that whole first house that has your rising sign, because it's your body, it's your physical form, that's going to matter. Yeah. And then your sun is really, I mean, it's the core of our whole solar system. Yeah. And in that you want to say there's a lot of what is the core thing that you're about? Like, what's the center of your being? What do you think everything should revolve around? Mm -hmm. And that's. You know, it, it's a big question. So what element is your son in? <laughs> are you in in a water sign oh, okay. where you're gonna feel that something of emotional value right. is a higher priority in life? Right. You know, just as an example. Right. Air signs, ideas. Okay. You know. Yeah. And on from there. Earth, yeah. The the physical material world. Right. What are we actually doing here? Right. <laughs> right. So. I guess I should just do the fire since that's the only one I'm leaving out. Yeah, yeah. what's the fire about? <laughs> Action, movement. Oh, cool. Okay. start things. Yeah. Let's get it going. Yeah. We can't just stagnate. Right. You know? That's really cool. Okay. And then your moon should hold just as much weight as your sun. Right. And there's so much in our culture that wants to prioritize the solar, mm-hmm. which is like the, the masculine, mm-hmm. the solar, the mm-hmm. thing that actually... Um, makes it move, mm-hmm. makes it turn. Well,
0: and that's what often people, you, when they're saying, I'm like, for example, I am a Taurus. Right. In full transparency. So when people are like, <laughs> I'm a Taurus, and they leave out the rest, that's usually meaning they're talking about their son, yeah. correct? Yep. Yeah.
1: And okay. sun signs were popularized again back in the 60s. Okay. actually Even earlier with Evangeline Adams yeah. um, in the States. But that's not how astrology was always done. Right. It's kind of a weird blip that then stayed with us. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, In the Diotish, which is the Indian or Vedic astrology, but Vedic is a more particular thing, Mm -hmm. uh, they prioritize the moon with no questions. Okay. I mean, the moon is in there. Just as much? Just as much. Okay, right. And the different days that the moon goes around are known and mapped out, say, we we talk about, oh, it's a full moon or it's a new moon. And Mm -hmm. then if we get particular, we think, oh, it's a quarter moon Mm -hmm. or first quarter moon. They're like, no, this is day 11 of this cycle. And let's talk about that.
0: Oh, cool. So
1: I really like that. Yeah. Your moon sign. Again, the moon is the only thing of all of the celestial spheres that Mm -hmm. can actually affect matter. Okay. So the moon moves the tides, the moon moves the water in our bodies. Mm -hmm. It affects things. Mm -hmm. We can all agree on that. Yeah. The rest of the planets, they are not affecting you. They're just marking time. Right. As far as, I mean, what I'm willing to commit to. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Whereas the moon, that's really moving you. And so the moon gets the job of translating the light for all the other planets and stars. So as the moon moves, so you feel things. Right. So as a moon aspects a planet, that's when that's going to be in the horoscope that I would write. Right. I'm not really going to talk about it unless the moon is having a conversation with it to bring it into reality.
0: Yeah. And
1: so where your moon is in your chart is so many things we have the mother right Mm -hmm. Uh, the moon circles the earth and it's the first interaction with anything out there Mm -hmm. it's kind of a buffer zone yeah like a mom is a buffer zone right think about that right uh and so it's what you were nurtured with what you got used to as a child
0: Mm. say well you can use me for an example. I'm just, throw, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. If it's easy, <laughs> didn't you know my info. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Oh, <laughs> but you don't, a there's no pressure. Moon. <laughs> cancer
2: moon. I mean,
1: that's where the moon has complete dominion. That's where she has everything that she would ever want for resources in the emotional world is in the sign of cancer. Mm. So it's cancer moon is such a moon, mm-hmm. whereas the moon and the other signs has to adapt in some way mm-hmm. to what kind of resources that sign can give it. Yeah. And so your moon really has so much to do with what you are going to think comforting another person looks like.
2: Mm, right. And So
1: it can be really helpful if you're do, like talking to two people. Yeah. Who are having trouble figuring out if they're nurturing each other in the right way to just talk about your moon signs. Wow. That's do so, so cool. Much. That's so
0: fascinating. Yeah. I have been thinking a lot about, you know, my, where my moon is and like, the tides. Actually, it just sort of just recently being out on a boat and having to pay attention. It's, it's you know a commentary with a couple of different captains about well we can't go at this time because the tide and blah 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 and this thing and the other thing. It's a big and tide
2: just, with
0: this moon, wasn't it? There was a big tide with this moon, and um, it's just fascinating to me that that is that's something that shifts multiple times a day. And so, and the difference between it is huge. If you spend time near the ocean, you can see how low a dock is versus when it's high tide, it's a really big difference. It's not just a little, it is big. (laughs) You have to either climb the ladder down to the boat. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, or just walk straight on. Yeah. It's a really big difference. And so I... Yeah, it's just been interesting to think about with water and where the moon is and also noting full moon and how that's so different from the new moon. And um, so, yeah, thank you for breaking that down and and um, laying that out more for us. Oh,
1: and that's an infinite rabbit hole. I mean, how much to pay attention to the moon. Right. It's, it goes so far because on a basic level, that rising and falling of the tide is like an in-breath and an out-breath yeah and when the moon is waxing gaining light yeah that actually is so much energy put in put out into the world Mm -hmm. and then when the moon is waning it's a kind of adjusting to and dealing with and internalizing what was put out. Right. So even just paying attention to those two things in your life. Right. During a month. Well, this is the waxing period. So just going to go for it. Yeah. And then the waning. Well, okay. If I don't have as much to give, that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's the waning moon cycle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Can you explain? So just real quick, waxing and waning.
1: Yeah. Just So when the moon is completely dark. Yeah that's like a seed mm-hmm. and it waxes when it gains light. So you see that first little crescent and then you grow to the quarter moon mm-hmm. and it continues on to full.
0: Yeah. And that's that waxing period. Right. So, I think I hear a lot of people re- reverse those and it actually took me quite a few years to get those two things right oh. and understand which one is, you know, which one is which time.
1: Yeah. I mean, left, right. Uh, <laughs> I
0: still, I still look at my hands. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, In addition to sun, moon, and rising, we also have all of these houses. Yes. And that's something that, for me, just kind of bewilders me from time to time because it's just, it's a lot of information. And what do, I mean, you don't have to go through each house or anything of that nature, but what does that all represent? What does that kind of mean as far as if we're going to look into something like this more, what are these houses- why is it, why is it a house? Yeah. What's, his, what's the deal? <laughs> well,
1: when you really think of the planets as deities, okay. which is where we're coming from. Right. Really. Right. And love that. All of them have a house mm-hmm. where they're most comfortable. Most a lot of them have two. Oh. So in that way, that's just foundation. Just think about that for a second. Okay. Right. That helps with the interpretive side of things. Yeah. But as far as why we have 12 houses and why they get their meanings, um, right again, we start with the rising, right? And that is the first house, that's the body, yeah. Um, when you look at a circular astrology chart, mm-hmm. everything in the top half, okay, is going to be above ground, okay, so that's the sky above ground, okay. When you start looking into those upper houses, you find ideas about outward presentation and about Mm. career Mm. and about outward friend groups. Right. Above ground things. Above ground things. Okay. And then when you look at the bottom of the chart, you see um, a point called the IC or the, um, it's the root point in the chart. Okay. And that's going to be your like ancestral roots. And what you do at home and in privacy.
2: Oh, wow. And so the
1: whole bottom half of the chart is, speaks to the things that happen in a
0: more, a way you could metaphorically say you're underground. Right. And that's just the basic. Or like not the public or like, you know, um, outward from the outside eye or yeah. something like
1: that. And then if you start there at the rising point and that's you in the eastern horizon, mm-hmm. if you look across to the western horizon, well, that's the other. That's why the seventh house is about relationship.
0: Okay. Right. Because it's a cross.
1: It's a cross. Oh. And those four houses that form that major cross where you have self and other opposing it. Okay. You have the highest point in the sky and that's the career, the outward title that you wear. Okay. Path. Yeah. And then opposing it, you have the, who are you, who you are at home. Right. Those four houses, you could do astrology readings all day long with only those four houses. I mean, those are, that's your, who are you, who you with, what are you doing and where do you live? Right. Like it's, (laughs) and the rest of them are called the cadent houses and well, they, they all have these more fancy names, right? Right. But the other ones are a little bit more subtle. They do add a little, um, Less obvious interpretive principles, and so even if you look at your chart and you say, "Well, most of my planets are in these four angular houses," Mm -hmm. that person is probably going to have the experience of life being a bit more like, "Oh, wow! I'm doing a lot. I'm motivated Mm. to do a lot. I'm right. Find myself out. Oh, I'm in all these situations. You know, there's just a level of drama, right? (laughs) Where you're more actively out there and engaged and when you look at the other houses as where all your principal planets are, yeah, you find that your life might be a little more of an inner life. Or I mean, right. there's so many different ways of right. looking at it, but but it does add some juice to any planets that are in those four angular houses. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's so fascinating. Okay. I don't know if that really answered your houses question. It did. Oh, definitely. So many. Well, there's so, there's kind of a I mean, there's different systems there?
1: of breaking up houses as well. Oh. So there's 12 houses. Okay. Um, the techniques that I use, I've mm-hmm. shifted all the way to using only whole sign houses. So mm-hmm. that whole sign is a whole house. Okay. Right. And that's how they mostly did it in ancient Greece. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it's worth talking about the difference between constellations and signs as well. Okay. Because each one of those signs is a 30-degree chunk of the, si- of the sky. Okay. Right? Yeah. When you think of the constellations that they were loosely named after, Right. a constellation is not a 30-degree chunk of the sky. They vary right. widely. Some of them are just little, here's three degrees of yeah. the 360-degree circle. Yeah, totally. Oh, this one, is, Virgo, is like huge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, it's a symbolic way of mathematically making it equal Okay. Having just a way to say, that's the point in the sky I'm looking at. Right. It's really just like math.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Which is why it's so funny when people argue about the procession of, which is the fact that stars move over time in relation to mm-hmm. our position on earth. Mm-hmm. We, yes, we know, we know they move.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we think mm-hmm. about it. We take it into account. <laughs> it's totally real. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny okay um so how do you think knowing like fully knowing about our personal birth charts and say we were to have a session with you or an astrologer how is that how is that going to benefit us right now with like the current state of the world how, how is this something that we can be using? Wow. i <laughs> <dun, dun>, <laughs> that. sorry. No, <laughs> not <great>. sorry. sorry. <laughs> I mean, and you can, you Depends can simplify me. this to a basic. So step one is why is this beneficial for us? You, you know, yeah. as an example. I mean,
1: it's so different for every person. Mm-hmm.
0: Even the amount of the chart that
1: I personally would talk about. I'm not necessarily going to walk everyone through all their placements. Right. Um, right. If you happen to be going through a particular phase of life, I'm going to talk about that phase of life mm-hmm. and the In the current session. In the current session. Some of the planets have these very predictable cycles Mm -hmm. that everyone goes through at similar ages. And some other things are only going to happen to you specifically right? based on how the planets in the sky are interacting with your birth chart. So for example, everyone goes through a Neptune square when they're in their early 40s. Okay. And that's like the midlife crisis. Oh, wow. where? Right. Neptune is all about diffusing boundaries. And suddenly the structures that you've committed to in life feel like maybe they don't have the same level of meaning
2: mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And what do you
1: do about that? Right. And so that's something everyone has to go through. So if you're in your early 40s, we're probably going to talk about the Neptune square. Right. right. And likewise with other things. And the way that it influences everyone's chart is so different. So it also what, pref- what year you're in yeah, just carries so much. It's right. really so specific. Yeah. Um, as far as how it can actually be helpful to the moment that we're in. Yeah. I know that I've become galvanized around a- the same way that you were talking about what parts of yourself are real and what parts are you willing to own. Mm-hmm. And if you hear it outside of yourself, mm-hmm. um, for example, hey, you have a way of putting words that make that are palatable for people to hear mm-hmm. and also can get to the heart of things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're like, "Oh, is that special?" Wait, that is. right. That is a thing. That is a, a talent of mine, right, And I should own it. Right, you know yeah. so I think just having our
0: gifts reflected back to us, yeah, is so empowering. It really is and, and was and has been in our sessions specifically for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My chart does the same thing to me too, where I I think, oh, okay, this thing is hard for me. I'm tugged in these two different directions all the time. Mm -hmm. Actually, just knowing that makes those moments easier. Right. So it feels like a relief. Yeah. (laughs) Or if you're going through a particularly isolating time, Uh some transits are just very isolating Mm -hmm. where things you thought you could, like, I'm thinking of, um, I'm thinking of Pluto squares, okay, which is something we're we're going to edge up on soon. Okay, okay, and it really highlights a lot of the power dynamics in the world around you, and okay. can make you feel apart from them. And looking oh, wow. onto into the edges, and what do you do at the edge of things? Well, either you grab on for control, right, or you do fear things, right. So that's. um, oh. When you're going through a particularly isolating transit, it's useful to talk to an astrologer because they can tell you, oh, wow, if you feel lonely through no, mm-hmm. like, reason that you can explain, mm-hmm. this might help you to place yourself in that, you right. know? And it, when you're going through a 12th house year, so there's different, um, different years place you more heavily in different parts of your own chart. Okay. And they may be more or less familiar and you think, am I just this way forever? Right, no, you're in a window of time. I can tell you the dates that it's going to last, yeah. I'm not gonna, I can't tell you the particulars <laughs> about how this will all work out, right? But let's just talk about the archetypes you're working with, yeah. And yeah, and as far as the moment that we're in now, I mean, we are in quite a moment, yeah. We are all of the outer planets kind of switched signs going into 2019, okay? So we are beginning a kind of era that we're not quite used to Mm -hmm. and these are these are planets that take anywhere from two to eight nine years to transit a sign so it's like a new yeah little decade right plus we have all these outer planet stuff planet configurations happening we don't need to get all into it but it's new it's different and things are shifting for a lot of people especially Mm -hmm. this year was quite a walking through the cancer Capricorn gateway Mm. for a lot of people. And that's a security access. What is emotional security versus material security? Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? And what are you, what are you doing about it? Mm -hmm. So, and I've started becoming really excited about the ways that Jupiter, Jupiter moon aspects can talk to privilege Mm -hmm. in our culture yeah and where you can maybe see in a chart where someone's listening space is a little blocked right how can you better communicate with people right where where do you shut people down yeah and how is that hurting or helping you you know
0: yeah there's
1: so there's so much
0: that's really cool I think that's a really like relevant right now there's a lot there's a very huge variety i'm seeing personally in people's capacity to to recognize their privilege and different types and all of that
1: right and there's some there's some astrology configurations that would make people even res- like resistant to being to the word privilege Totally. And, and yeah. you can know not to say that to that person, but to approach it in a way where their listening space can hear what you're saying. Because what it right. really is, is more about uh where's connection versus where's, where is isolation and separateness. We're social creatures. We want to connect better. Yeah. And it's a good tool for that.
0: Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you ever feel, cause so as an astrologer, you get this sort of download about people. And I know that you, you know, actively see new clients all the time and repeated clients too, and your friends and family members and all of this. Do you ever feel for yourself, is it too personal to know so much about someone's chart? Or is it more like what you were saying earlier with the key words and that sort of thing? And what, what kind of is the balance there for you as an astrologer? Yeah. I'm curious. And, and, it, and, and this gets me curious too about like, how much do I want to know about a person in my life and their chart?
1: Right. Right. And when you are meeting a new person, yeah. taking some time to actually get to know them on a human to human level before you rush right into what's your birth time. Oh my God. That's such a very important
0: common thing. I think for people dating is like, (laughs) when's your birthday and what are, what are all your signs? You know, and that I think is a little bizarre.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And the
1: complexity of each chart Mm
2: -hmm. means
1: that that's crap. Like mm-hmm. that's actually not going to work for you. Yeah. Those
0: websites where you can log on and insert people's things and then you can match yeah. it up and it gives you this whole big slew of information that I feel like is very weird and probably not super inaccurate. I mean,
1: it's I mean, Interesting. super accurate is what I was saying. It might, say. uh, it might draw someone into like the, the amount of accuracies that are there mm-hmm. might actually make you consider
0: right what's going on
1: interest. with astrology. Mm-hmm. But uh as far as it being useful to your relationship,
2: I don't know. Yeah.
1: Everyone's so different. Someone who's very mercurial could gather little bits from a thing like that and just have it be useful. Right. Whereas whereas there are others who that would be just um destructive. Right. You know, and right and have bias. Get really so,
0: analytical about it.
1: Yeah, so just just as a baseline, it's great to wait three to six months as a minimum when you get into a relationship with someone before you start asking an astrologer to do a sinistry reading for you. That's
0: great. Just that is <laughs> great. <laughs> yep. hear that everybody? That out there. <laughs> Listen up. <laughs> yeah. Three to six months. I think that's awesome. Which is even a short window,
1: but yeah. You never know. Yeah. yeah. Uh but as far as my like my involvement with people, it's so doing astrology. It's so perfect for my chart.
0: <laughs> oh, great, Sue! Isn't that so, so fun? Yeah, yeah. And
1: I have, I mean, I've been many different things in life so far. Uh huh. And one of the things that I did was I engaged in polyamorous relationships.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And that fit a certain aspect of myself. Mm -hmm. that now I am no longer doing because I get this like immediate uh, connection with different humans that I then can that I can then leave right and it's a helpful beneficial relationship
2: right I'm
1: terrible I just put out a tweet about this like yesterday how I've never been good at transactional relationships right Mm -hmm. where it's always relationship Mm-hmm. To me, mm-hmm. and like in the service industry and mm-hmm. in consulting, mm-hmm. I was a medical marijuana caregiver for a long time. Mm-hmm. Nothing could ever be just. Here's your thing. I'll take the money. It was. I became right an invested person. I just become invested in people. Right. But my boundaries with astrology have become so functional. They become so functional. I'm so proud of myself. I'm at so this proud point. of you. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So personally, it's really working. And I don't feel like I, I think that it works better in social situations for me Mm -hmm. to moderate myself because everybody has a chart.
0: Yeah. And now people that
1: I don't even know their charts, I can look at them and be like, oh, this person is pissing me off right now. But you know what? Everybody has a chart.
0: Yeah. And I'm
1: sure there's something there that is totally sensible for where they're coming from and i can just chill out yeah i find even not knowing people's charts astrology helps me (laughs) yeah
2: yeah that that makes so much
1: sense but with my friends i mean i i know you first yeah you know and so if you trigger my mercurial thoughtful analytic brain and ask me a question about astrology i'm gonna go there Mm -hmm. but it's not where i'm living
0: does Mm -hmm. that make sense that makes total sense yeah Hey, friends, I hope you're enjoying this interview and this episode. Don't forget to click that subscribe button so that you can be alerted anytime a new episode is out every week. So I also wanted to tell you, Amy is offering a bonus ritual reading for anyone who is listening to this episode and wants to book a regular astrology chart reading with her. She's going to throw in this extra remediation ritual for you. We're all about working with your archetypes and helping figure out how that can integrate through your day-to-day life and benefit you. I cannot say enough about this incredible reading that I received from Amy and I've had a few follow-ups now. I just can't recommend it enough. It impacted my life so much at the time that it's, it really truly was life-changing for me to learn these, you know, innate aspects about ourselves. Okay, back to the episode. Again, if you want to find that booking link, check out the show notes or head on over to the website, camillerodesfields.com. and that's enough for now. Enjoy. Do you find, are there, is there a variety of astrologers that are sort of introverted or extroverted? And is that like, is it more common for an astrologer to be introverted? Oh, no. See, we need more stats. We need more stats yeah, on astrologers. We
1: do. And then oh. on placements and astrology things in general. Yeah. We don't have the legitimization from the scientific community to have performed a bunch of studies.
2: Right, right. On
1: what particular Mm -hmm. groups of planetary things lead to what. Mm -hmm. You know, we have all this deck. I mean, we have thousands of years of
2: Mm -hmm. people
1: claiming things and watching the skies and correlating events. And, you know, it's not just psychological. It's really about what's happening in the world too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I don't know. The astrologers that I know are all very, very real people.
0: Yeah. And it seems a good mix. Yeah. So on that note, this has me curious about introverts and extroverts in general.
2: Yeah.
0: Is it something in our charts that makes us kind of either direction? Is that something that can be fluid throughout our lives based on where we're at? I see. I think it's so, I feel like it's really common right now it seems very common for people to announce that they're an introvert on the Mm. internet. There's just probably millions of memes at this point where people are joking about how (laughs) introverted they are. And I'm so curious, is this, is this, part of the age of technology because people are at home a lot and they don't have to go out and interact with people so they are more comfortable being introverted. Oh,
1: that's interesting. And
0: or is it like the time that we're in, is it possible to be an introvert for part of our lives and not, I mean, this is like getting too complex yeah. of a question. No, I love but it. But I mean, when astrologically makes- related, yeah. is this is like
1: related. Yeah. Um, there are like three or four different things I would look to in a chart to think about how, how out there is this person willing to be. Yeah. But when you talk about things changing over time, mm-hmm. so if you have a lot of planets, say in Leo, for example, mm-hmm. it's going to be normal for you to understand that there are, you are shining. There are people observing you and to learn to negotiate that accordingly. Mm -hmm. And that could be more, that could be more extroverted. Right. Might not be in certain cases. Right. You know, everyone goes through, there's a technique that I love called secondary progressions. Okay. And as your chart grows with you, uh, the planets actually move into different signs so you can see different eras of your life mm-hmm. when your per- when your personal planets mm-hmm. which are the ones closer to us not the outer ones yeah that form really your different your intelligence and your mode of relating and your mode of action and aggression and, yeah um when those actually move signs yeah through watching this kind of living version of the chart that we take from the birth chart through the first three months and correlate it to your whole unfoldment of life. Yeah. And that's really testament to the fact that kids and babies, like the first year of a baby's life, Yeah. So much happens that is such an influence over the entire rest of the life. So you want to look at what that whole moon cycle is going to look like and Mm -hmm. then correlate that to the unfolding life. Mm -hmm. And if one of your, if your Mercury is say retrograde when you're born. Yeah. But goes direct in the process of secondary progressions. Yeah. That's going to be an inward way of communicating. Okay. Turned X Turned out, right. You know, turned extroverted, right. More so in different ways. You could look at it, right. Um, but as far as people in this age, yeah, becoming more introverted, yeah, or or feeling safe claiming introversion when maybe it's just a result of our cultural weird things that are day happening in day life. Yeah, <laughs> all the things that are That's happening. That's really interesting. <laughs> I think that. There are a lot of things that correlate between, say, uh, hospital births Uh being more likely to be scheduled during the day. Right. So we have a lot more of the day sect people where the sun is their primary sect light. If you're born at night, the moon is your primary sect light. And that kind of is tilting society to have more and more people who have a solar affiliation, uh, which would... Actually, mean the opposite. Yeah, um, more, more extroversion, right? In some ways, yeah. uh But that's just a thing I thought along those lines.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this is so cool. Okay, yeah.
1: and that's like a research it's topic. It got me thinking about my it's children and what topic. time
0: of day they're born, and myself. I was a scheduled birth. Um, when I was born. And my children were both born around 7 o'clock, but 1 p.m., 1 a.m. So it was like sun coming up and sun going down. Neat. Even in the same same month and everything. So on the topic of children, I am curious. I have looked up my children's birth charts. I've never gotten them read or anything, Um, what is your take on this? Because I know we've talked a little bit about it before. Um, and I have, I've noticed a few people say, I have got to get my kids chart read when they had their own charts read. And I'm just curious on your take, as far as, you know, maybe somebody listening is getting really excited about trying to figure out their child through a chart. And what is your take on that? What do you think is appropriate? Well, I've thought about that a lot. I can't say
1: that I fall in any concrete camp about it. Right. Um, It has helped me a lot. I have a child. Yeah. And it's helped Mm. me a lot to think about his chart very, very briefly and then put it aside. Like, right, I do not want to delve deeply into my child's chart. Right, it's helpful to me to know the ways that the moon does things in his chart because that's me. Yeah, <laughs> doing things to yeah, him, yeah. you know. Right, right. Wait, am I a little too heavy? Oh, I might be a little too heavy in these ways. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah you know? totally. That did help me. Now to say that someone who doesn't speak that language of astrology and might give it more um, more power than it deserves. Yeah. Or to be more deterministic. Like, I don't want to tell you your kid is going to be anything. Totally. I don't have that power. Like, the amount of change that can occur and the different ways a chart can grow up Mm -hmm. is so huge. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing that's going to tell you your kid is or isn't one way or another.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Just as a given. Right. Uh, And also because what you do... Is so heavily in what you're going to see in the chart, especially anyone before their first nodal return, um, which is. It's a nodal return. So, <laughs> well, every, every, nine years, every nine years. For us now in astrology. Every nine years and then an 18 year cycle. Okay. The nodes of the moon, which is how we plan, how we know where eclipses are going to happen. Okay. Uh, kind of churn your chart. Okay. So they complete, they first, they line up. Well, first they oppose where they were when you were born. Yeah. And then over time, by the time you're uh, 18, they come around to opposing where they were again. That's an opposition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those details don't matter that much, but the basic thing is before a child is 18, you're going to see much more about the parents than you are about the child in their chart. Right. Right. And that's, that's kind that can be creepy.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. And depending
1: on the tendencies of a parent, um, <clears throat> I can't predict what a parent is going to do with that information.
0: Yeah. And I also feel just to insert into that is I think this is kind of an age of parents micromanaging a bit too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. oftentimes i'm not saying everybody does but it's very common to sort of overly project your child or overly micromanage your child and so you you're right you don't really know what somebody is going to do with that type of information right and what they'll hear and not
1: hear yeah the other thing is interpretation yeah in uh, an art that's already so pretty just poetic I mean, mm-hmm. you're reaching for archetypes. You can't describe the face of God, you know, you mm-hmm. have to like work around it. Mm-hmm. So you're not saying something concrete enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the So in a more simple way, the only way that I've found it useful to talk to other people about their children's parts yeah. is just to say, don't rule out this type of learning style. Yeah. Don't rule out patience with this process. Yeah. You know, just... A little bit more of the um, keeping it more open for different mm-hmm. types of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're coming into some configurations in the next, I mean, even like the next 20 years <laughs> where uh neurologically atypical is the new normal. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of mm-hmm. things in people's just assumptions about how to parent right and you can't I don't know we're all on our own journeys with that oh yeah totally it's a big it's kind of a big so that might have been a very rambly answer to No, all of I that, love that I think I think, it's perfect. I think deeply about that I just um yeah yeah you can't you can't hire me to look at a child's chart
0: great there we go <laughs> <Here's your> answer. <laughs> Um okay, i I really love that, and I fully agree with you on that. Um, I do think that people in general can really like over like I was saying over micromanage their child's every little phase or obsess over every little phase when my for for me personally what has really worked for me as a mother is like a little bit more hands off a little bit more like let me just let this phase flow through and not obsess over it and it tends to much more easily flow at that point and kind of then the phase sort of is phasing out yeah um the more i obsessed over phases that literally last two to four weeks it's like, okay, that felt actually a little bit like a waste of my energy and their energy (laughs) around all of that. So anyway, um, I really love that. Now
1: I can talk to an adult or I can also, I mean, I'm into consent from someone who can give it. So if, if someone who is an early teen Wants an astrology reading, yeah, of their own
0: accord,
1: yeah, and it's not something that's translated through the parent, right? But it's like a direct conversation, right? With, I'm willing to do that. Yeah, that feels
0: appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Just need
1: real consent. Yep. Yep. Okay. Great. And same for looking at like partners' charts. Sure, I'll oh look my at gosh. your husband's chart with your right. husband with his consent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> or like have a one-on-one with that person yeah. to begin yeah. with. Before it suddenly is like spoken through, you know Absolutely. in a partnership. So speaking of, that's fun because that just led right into my next question. Um, and you kind of touched on this a little bit here and there, but could you just kind of give us a bit more about how is this helpful? How is knowing more about ourselves astrologically? Helpful when we are relating to other people. Yeah, Um, is that something that we all have different formats of in our charts? You know, Um,
1: you do. But your Mercury and Venus. Okay, your Mercury, Venus, and Mars. This is where the planets that are communication and that sort of thing. Yeah, Yeah, okay. This is where the other personal planets that are not your Sun, Moon, Rising come into play. Yeah, and can be very helpful to learn about. Right, there are. A million benefits. Um, me just knowing, for example, that my Venus is in Gemini mm-hmm. gave me so much data on the fact that I don't have the same, uh, the same assumptions mm-hmm. about relating Because Gemini is not about making assumptions. Right. They like to actually be very open and it's an idea and it's not an emotional attachment. And it's, it's, there's just a lot to, to garner from that. Yeah. Uh, Your Mercury, your communication style can teach you about the strengths and the weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always good to find what is working and what needs to be shorn up. Mm -hmm. What makes you relatable? Mm -hmm. What makes you something be something that you might actually want to explain to
0: someone right you know can you dive into that example a little bit more yeah well let's see okay
1: so for example say you have a mercury in scorpio Mm -hmm. scorpio is a fixed sign so this means that it wants to maintain and keep going with whatever's going on. Oh. If you have the kind of brain and speaking style mm-hmm. that wants to keep going, yeah. Scorpio likes to go investigate the parts of the water that no one with any good reason would want to investigate just because they think there's something not right down there. Like right. It might be mucky. Right. You want to go mix it, <laughs> you wanna go figure it out. Right. So a Scorpio Mercury is an amazing investigator.
2: Oh, cool. They will
1: keep going until they find what they're looking for. And so in conversation, you might know about yourself. I might go on this topic longer than the people around me want to listen to it. So let me just be a little more mindful of that. Right, Like little, little things like that can, can do a lot. Yeah. Without being, don't be overcritical of yourself because of your placements are amazing benefits to all of them. Yeah. But just feeling how that's working
0: and right. You know, right. So I'm curious because we've talked about this a little bit um, off air. Is what do you what do you say to the people that kind of don't believe in astrology? And I am always from my in my personal experience. I'm like, how can you not agree? I I every almost always astrologically for me either my chart being read or when you and I have had some sort of we've had a few. your other type of sessions i'm not sure what you call that but it's not the initial natal chart it's more like an update kind of what's happening in life right now yeah follow-ups follow-ups um and certain people's horoscopes they are so incredibly resonant for me so what do you say to that sort of debate where people are a little can be a little cynical about it and you know say they don't believe in it or it's, it's not a thing or it doesn't exist. Yeah, well then they're not gaining <laughs> the benefits of it.
1: It's uh, true, which is a shame but it's also goes hand in hand with a kind of materialist deterministic patriarchal culture. Right. Where they want it to be so solar. Right. And so laid out and clear cut and yeah. measurable. Yeah. Uh I love that you're going to have Mariah Helms at some point mm-hmm, on this mm-hmm. show. She does, I learned some amazing things from her about the mechanization of the body in the formation of capitalism and how we need to cut it all up and measure it in order to be able to believe in it. Right. Whereas we know, I mean, the way that you've lived your life. yeah. People who, People who know that there's more going on where there is obviously an embot- an ensoulment mm-hmm. of everything mm-hmm. in you and around you, mm-hmm. it seems like an easy leap. Right. To think there might be a conversation happening. Yeah. Or the, between the micro and the macro. Right. You know, right. If you have a more animistic kind of belief where you are willing to say that this piece of earth has some value beyond its. Uh, measurable components yeah then it's an easy leap to think it might have meaning for you yeah and so I think people who are willing to have a mindset where things have meaning are open to having astrology have meaning Mm -hmm. the movements of these huge celestial spheres Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's an amazing huge time clock right layers. Right. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah. But when you're talking to someone who says it can't scientifically be measured and therefore it can't work, I also respect data a lot because there's this other side of it where people say, people will just make stuff up and think because they're intuitively attuned to some other medium, say tarot or crystals, that they can jump into astrology without doing the academic work of it. Yeah, and and have the same things. So there's Mm -hmm. there's like it's it's getting a little diluted the Mm -hmm. more people get into it, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the more popular it is, then the less. uh, Well, you'll always have that spectrum of people that go a really intense, particular level with something versus people who just dabble and want to make generalizations. But yeah, uh, I say I see both sides. Right, right to that. Okay, and also, like, if you were to look at their chart, you'd be able to understand why they weren't <laughs> open to it. I mean, your so your ninth house says funny. so much about. Well,
0: let me tell you why. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I, it's okay. I, I can see from talking to you. This. Oh man, that's really funny.
1: But your ninth house says so much about what you're over. Uh, arcing beliefs are Uh and your ideology and what you what you what kind of meaning you want to imbue in the world right so if your ninth house is all like all earth in a way that's super structural and your neptune is way off in the 12th house I mean, yeah, you know, that's yeah. the comfortable place that you speak from. So it's just everyone right. should try and look at things, knowing that there are different people with different perspectives,
0: yeah. and they're all meant to be. Yeah, yeah, completely. So we touched on this a little bit uh, just now with what could what would be helpful, I guess, if to keep keep looking into ourselves as far as like, if we were to have a birth chart reading with you or somebody, and then what, can you talk a little bit more about why we might wanna have those follow-up sessions or why we might want to know more about our horoscopes in a way that we're not depending on it. So for Mm -hmm. an example, there was a time in my life where I was reading my horoscope And then I was more in a a dependent stage in my life at that time. And I was really sort of choosing to live what I was reading in the horoscope as far as um, potentially having a negative side effect for me personally, yeah. instead of using it. And now I've more learned how to use that and reflect, okay, so that's happening on this day. I might want to like pay attention more of it instead of heading into that day a, with a doomsday attitude. Um, so what, can you speak a little bit of, about that? What is that, How is this helpful in our lives in an ongoing way?
1: Right. Well, for some people it might not be.
0: Mm. it might be too much there you go. dabbling
1: right right uh there's a quite well-known astrologer who i know who doesn't personally use astrology in her own life with her own chart because she found that it was just a bit too much hands-on for her oh my goodness is hilarious amazing giving readings and guiding others <laughs> I love that. (laughs) And, and I often forget to look at my own transits. Right. You know, it's, uh, I think when you're more immersed in the study of it, it's if anything easier to see how much you aren't seeing Mm -hmm. and to Mm -hmm. know that, okay, what I'm receiving from a horoscope is just a little slice of what this one person happened to say on that day about Mm -hmm. this aspect. And they could have missed a whole thing. Right. These are just humans. Yeah. And I think it's going to take a long time for the bots to be able to actually accurately give us any information about things. Mm -hmm. The apps that are out there at this point are very, very low grade. Yeah.
0: (laughs) As far as the astrology
1: they're using, that's another side note.
0: Right. Um, Right.
1: But when you have a reading with an astrologer, and you have that conversation, mm-hmm. and then you realize an hour and a half has gone by, you thought it was just going to be an hour, mm-hmm. and it's all been amazing and mm-hmm. fast, and, and then you hang up the phone or you shut Zoom down or whatever, mm-hmm. and you have your recording. Um, if they're a good astrologer, you aren't going to feel the need to rush back into another reading.
2: Right, I mean, the amount that is
1: there should be something that you can go back to, right? And have time with, and, mm-hmm. and all of that. So, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone just is baiting you and wants to leave you with a well, come back and we'll figure right. that out, like right. that's probably just a tactic, yeah. Down. Yeah, you don't probably don't need that, right? I'm like, I would love for. A reading to sit for at least a couple years. Mm-hmm. At the same time, someone that I see every six months is, can also be healthy. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all in how you use it. Right. Every, right. Every tool is a weapon. Right. Um, right. And that is something that an astrologer can actually see in your chart. If you're going to be likely to maybe obsess yeah yeah okay. Um, and so that is one of the things that I don't I actually don't know if other astrologers look for this, but when I first overview a chart, I think, okay, what how is this person using their spiritual tools mm-hmm. in this phase? Is mm-hmm. this part of um is this part of a deceptive Neptune situation, or are they mm-hmm. trying to self deceive
2: mm-hmm.
1: Is that something we're gonna need to talk about
2: right you know like
1: it's
0: it's amazingly versatile. there's so many things, yeah. I would imagine seeing someone's chart and looking into something like that can really help you and how you deliver it to that person. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this episode and interview with Amy Green. Remember to hit that subscribe button on the show so you can be alerted anytime there's a new episode every week. So, Right now, it's time for our take action segment and being in the state of Maine, I wanted to focus on this incredible organization called Wabanaki Reach. If you want to learn more about what they're up to, visit the link in the show notes. And I wanted to just read this sentence from their website. A decolonized community is able to acknowledge the full truth of the past embraces the full truth of the present and commits to creating a just future undaunted by obstacles. So remember, there are organizations all over the world that are protecting the rights of indigenous people. And it just takes a little bit of effort to find out what's happening in your state or country to protect the rights of indigenous people. And you can take action too. All right. Check out those links in the show notes and remember to take action and radiate in the world. Thanks so much for listening. Back to our interview. Yeah. yeah. But
1: for people who are just reading their horoscopes and finding that they resonate and then maybe getting a little freaked out, mm-hmm. astrology is not meant to freak you out. Yeah. If you feel stress. Mm-hmm. Or if you feel more anxiety mm-hmm. after engaging intensely with a bunch of horoscopes and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, then don't. Yeah, don't do Stay it. Away. It's the the purpose of it should be to give you a little bit of grounding. Yeah, and let you know that if you happen to be feeling these ways, mm-hmm. that it's okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's. That's right. the basic of, an, of a horoscope. It's right. like, hey, maybe a heads up, uh, be more open or more closed to certain things that may happen, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But if you walk away and you're feeling more stressed rather than grounded, then right. please observe those feelings in yourself and yeah. you know, yeah. engage when it's healthy
0: and don't when it's not. But that's, I mean, the truth for everything, right? Right. Mm. So speaking of fe- getting stressed out about astrology, and maybe the negative side of things. Let's talk about Mercury retrograde. Oh, sure. I, I formerly, <laughs> we'll preface it with that, formerly also went into Mercury retrogrades a bit scared and fearful. And I find nowadays with sort of the flow of how the internet is and yeah. technology and all of that, people tend to really doomsday mercury retrograde and really see it as a negative time and basically use it as a tool for blame I feel like Um, and I have even found I know a lot of people that will not you know put a new product out during a mercury retrograde or they won't sign a house you know mortgage or they won't buy a new car or like Mm -hmm. there's so many things and I think we've all had different Experiences with this, but there is a really common thread of people blaming everything for turning to shit in their lives on Mercury retrograde. So, is this actually a negative time, or is this a time? Let's 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 hear from yeah. you. <laughs> let's hear from you on this so, one.
1: Yeah, Mercury retrogrades happen three times a year, mm-hmm. which is just frequent enough to make it into the mainstream
0: culture. All the
1: planets. Have
0: right. retrogrades. It's- oh <laughs> see all the planets have retrogrades yeah. oh my god except the moon okay
1: uh but it's just frequent enough to make it into mainstream culture and just infrequent enough for them to amp it as rare
0: right
2: right
1: uh merc- mercury retrogrades are all different
0: and yeah mercury
1: as a planet mm-hmm. is n- a neutral planet Mm-hmm. So it's not good. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's more of a trickster. Okay. So Fine. there's a playful energy mm-hmm. to a Mercury retrograde that I hope everyone connects with mm-hmm. because it is fun. I I don't like the stress around it. Yeah. Um, if you, if anything, it's almost like a time of life that you have this knowledge that you might get to do some do-overs. Ooh. So right now we are in the shadow period of a Mercury retrograde.
0: Mm-hmm. Um before a, a pre-shadow?
1: Yeah. Like so going into it. We are in the same territory that Mercury will pass back over mm-hmm. when it retrogrades. Right. So the life that we're living right now, yeah, Mercury will come back through and kind of redo or finish up or edit. The things that we're, uh, that we're up to. Yeah. Now is having to, so a a typical like nightmare Mercury retrograde story would be, oh, I wrote out this entire long document and then I lost it because my computer crashed.
2: Right, right. These
1: things can totally actually happen. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to say that that's not a typical Mercury retrograde experience. Right. But then what happens is you're given the opportunity to do something over and in many, opportun- in many cases, it comes out being something that is more than what it would have been if you had your original. Mm. So I've heard that story a lot, actually. Right. Um, and because each Mercury retrograde is different, it's not always going to be a nightmare. Right. And it's never going to be something that is malefic. Like Mm -hmm. mercury is not good and not bad, meaning it's not bad. Yeah. It's not actually trying to mess your life up. Yeah, Like if you signed a thing and you went back and discovered that you actually would rather have not, and then you have to do over the process i mean that is just life Mm -hmm. please still have life Mm -hmm. please please still do life (laughs) i I mean astrologers do not suddenly stop giving readings because it's a mercury retrograde you know we don't like right uh not buy computers i bought my last computer on a mercury retrograde right Yeah. It's actually a time that you'll find you just have to pay attention to mercurial things like computers, like little articles, Mm -hmm. like transportation, you know, cars. Mm -hmm. What's Mercury about? So, Mercury is the fastest planet. Okay. And it, in ways that are different than the moon, but similar to that idea of translating light, Mm -hmm. it's going around giving messages between different planets mm-hmm. so it's the messenger planet we have that whole hermes thing from right. the greeks right and when you think of things in our life right now that have that fast-paced messaging yeah. stuff we are living a very mercurial existence in this time period right we have so many like a a long book is jupiter mm-hmm. a college course is jupiter mm-hmm. but a blog mm-hmm. or an email yeah or an article or a drive to the store yeah. or um, the fuses in anything electric okay. or a computer circuit board. Right. These are all mercurial things. Right. So when we have mercury going into a time where it says, oh, let's do all that over. Mm-hmm. Suddenly all these things that were in place uh, do get a little bit of a, well, these could be messed with. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the same drama that people want to make it into. It's very uh, subtle. Mm-hmm. It's much more subtle. Mm-hmm. But again, everything in the sky is unlocking things that are in your chart. Yeah. If you happen to have a whole bunch of very important stuff in Scorpio. Yeah. Or aspecting Scorpio, this November retrograde. Mm-hmm will have more of an effect on you than others mm-hmm. and that's the other thing is that every retrograde affects your chart differently yeah many of them won't touch any sensitive things in your right. chart right so there's someone that will have just this absolute nightmare of a mercury retrograde story yeah uh because it was aspecting all their sensitive growth points at that moment in life and they needed to go through all those things mm-hmm. you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is not to say anything deterministic about what people do or do not need to go through right it's okay all archetypal so it could be a different version and yeah. still meet the same archetypal story right right nothing deterministic here right <laughs> but then you have someone who this mercury retrograde is not going to touch their chart and yet they're all stressed out about it right that's what I don't want
0: yeah 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 okay. I like that Um, This has kind of gotten me thinking about Saturn returns. Sure. So I was wondering if we can talk a little bit more about that. I know so many of myself included and my friends, we've all gone through this Saturn return few years. And again, it's sort of like this negative connotation. Like, you think your life is okay? Wait till you hit your Saturn return. Well, do you like wisdom? (laughs) I mean- (laughs) (laughs) well what do you so what do you mean by that is that is a time where we gain more wisdom in our lives is that what this whole thing is about i think yes yeah so
1: saturn is the slowest of the visible planets okay so everything about saturn is about time it's regular it's slow Mm -hmm. and um Every revolution of Saturn in your life Mm -hmm. tends to be um, things around limits, boundaries, structural responsibilities, Mm. and the hierarchies that you exist in, um, the actual physical security structures around you, taxes, debts. Yeah. Yeah. uh, All these (laughs) societal things that might not have the best... Yeah, feelings around them, but right. are absolutely necessary to participate as an adult in the world, right? And so, Saturn is a very adult planet, yeah, and doesn't have much love for the young, okay? So, the children of Saturn, yeah, the ones that Saturn really rewards and gives gifts to are the elderly mm-hmm. or the people that have experienced a lot of physical pain or difference in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you have to go through Saturn's revolutions in order to gain the benefits of Saturn's age, which is wisdom. Right. And it's actually not a bad thing to grow up. Yeah,
0: it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. Um, I've heard that there's these different stages of childhood and that our final stage of childhood, I think, is 18 to 25. And so I've thought, I've often thought about that with the Saturn return and how that sort of like, there's this couple of years lingering after this sort of final stage of childhood is come to a completion. And then we have this big growth time, AKA Saturn return. Do we have other Saturn returns in our lives? And if so, when do those happen?
1: Yeah. You have a Saturn return every 28, 29 years.
0: Oh. And... Right, so this is just the first this one the first for everybody, one. is this yeah. 20, age, age 27 to 38 range.
1: Right. right, and that's why it's the most, uh, quote unquote, difficult. Yeah. Because when you're older, mm-hmm. you are more favored by Saturn. Oh, cool. And, and it's kind of this transition between the gifts of youth and the gifts of age. Right. Um, Saturn is actually considered mature between 36 and 42. Right, um, because it's when you've endured the first square of Saturn. Okay, mm-hmm. so it goes all the way around. But if you think of a three hundred and sixty degree circle, yeah, when you get to uh, ninety degrees, mm-hmm. that's your Saturn square. Okay, those can have as much of an impact on a life. As the real Saturn return, right? you think about it as like um, lunar phases. Okay. The new moon would be the conjunction. That's when Saturn reaches the place that Saturn was in your birth chart. Okay, so Saturn to Saturn, right is what you're looking at. Right. And then when Saturn creates that 90 degrees degree square to your natal Saturn, mm-hmm. that is also a trial mm-hmm. honing, challenging period. Mm-hmm. And then when it opposes your natal Saturn, that's also another challenge. These are mm-hmm. just hurdles we continue to go through in life. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah. they follow um, these chunks of years. So right.
0: So right now we the, by the time this episode airs, we'll be um, in the later part of 2019. And so a lot of people are talking about how this is the end of a decade. This is sort of the end of an era, which I know is very different for everybody depending on their chart and when their eras actually are in their lives. Is there anything like special and specific happening as we sort of ride into the new year and with 2020 on everybody's brains, what's, what's coming down the pipe?
1: The Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Okay. So decades sometimes line up with cultural eras. Right. The Jupiter-Neptune cycle is actually a bit more accurate to Mm -hmm. describe our cultural kind of, like we think of genres of music as going decade by decade. Mm -hmm. But really, if you look at the relationship between Jupiter and Neptune, Mm -hmm those kind of 13-year cycles tend to be more accurate.
2: Oh, okay, cool. So that's just
1: cultural arts, movies, right. that kind of thing. Right. And we are in a closing Jupiter-Neptune square, which means we're going to be looking for some new stuff. Right. We're definitely ready for the whole cultural stories and myths to change. Yeah, yeah. Um As we enter 2020, we have The conjunction of saturn and pluto Mm -hmm. in capricorn Mm -hmm. and that is a like 33 to 38 year cycle okay which so three times a century yeah but we haven't had one in a saturn ruled or malefic ruled which means trickier Mm -hmm. sign since like well, Capricorn would have been near the fall of the Byzantine Empire, mm-hmm. so it's it's a big deal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one's a big deal right, and that does tend to um, exacerbate polarization hate groups okay walls, boundaries, right, and also the momentum against them right, right, so right. that kind of comes to a crux right uh the larger bigger story that people are probably talking about yeah is that we are moving now to a time when some of these major conjunctions start happening in air signs instead of earth signs okay so different than those two i was just talking about right um it is actually a shift in a 300 year cycle okay wow So that is actually a big deal. That is a really big deal. And this is what people were talking about by saying the age of Aquarius. Yeah. Um, Now we are going to start the first sign that we're going to have the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in is Aquarius. And so that means that after 300 years of Earth, which is about territory, conquer territory, Mm. move through territory, define boundaries,
2: do all this stuff. Now we're
1: moving into air, which is much more uh, fluid currency and the technology side of things, but also just uh, ideas. Um, I don't think it has the flavor of perfection that people think it has Mm -hmm. it's just a new and different time Mm -hmm. but it is a new and different time so that's a
2: that's a thing Mm -hmm. wow (laughs) people
1: people uh correlate the bitcoin yeah and cryptocurrency stuff to the age of aquarius although bitcoin plunged when capricorn
2: (laughs) when saturn entered
1: capricorn last i just saw these graphs correlating yeah. markets and yeah. the movements of the planets into different signs right stuff is crazy it's felt so, so fascinating yeah it's so fascinating to me and i'd love to i'll give you some links to post under this yeah. for more information mm-hmm. on the jupiter mm-hmm. neptune cycles yeah and that movement into air that i'm yeah. talking about because i'm by no means an expert on that larger shift right
0: right but Right. But it is all the buzz in the astrology
2: communities.
0: Yeah. And it's, it, it really is a big, I mean, it's just a big time right now for data and the world and like the connections across the world. And I feel it's, yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah. You're not imagining it. Yeah. No. (laughs) So if somebody is ready to kind of take astrology seriously or take their own birth information seriously, what is the next step for them? Is that to look, look you up? I personally like can't recommend my experience enough, not not my experience, but the experience I had with you um, reading my chart was so profound. And I still remind myself of things all the time and remind myself of this permission that i get to be a certain human that i the the certain human that i am all the time um if they want to do what's what's kind of like your recommendation if they're ready to book a session if they're not quite ready for that what what do we tell people
1: yeah there are in order to be an astrologer you probably need to be writing things Mm mm-hmm and there are many awesome astrologers out there that mm-hmm. fit what you're looking for. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, a r- overview, a natal consultation as mm-hmm. uh, a first step is wonderful. You can do that with any number of astrologers. Mm-hmm. And I would just recommend reading some of the things that they've written to see if you do resonate with their style. Yep. Uh, yeah. There's more and more folks fitting different certain like subsets mm-hmm. of appeal. hmm And if you are looking for a certain reason, like, oh, I want to make this career shift, but I just don't know if this is the right thing for me. Mm -hmm. And you're looking for that kind of confirmation. Mm -hmm. um, That's a more specific thing you can look up. Astrologers specify and that kind of thing. I love doing that. That's one of my fun
0: things. Yeah. Uh,
1: But yeah, there's so much out there. I think just be wary because uh, you want to find someone who actually has Like some recommendations from real people, yeah. Probably a website. It's just a a trail where you a a, a real name. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot uh, with this kind of surge of interest in astrology. There's Mm -hmm. there's both sides coming out of the woodwork, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) just be careful to Discerning, but I mean, I'm easy to book with. You can go to my website. Yeah, fill out a contact, and I'll get right back to you through email. Yeah. Um, but I also, I mean, there's many other astrologers that I would recommend. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I should like give you a list or I don't know. They're, they're, no, like, that's
0: okay. I will, will, um, in the show notes, people have a link to your website. They can come check you out. They can book a session with you. And also, you know, some people want to do things face to face. So they might look for someone in their area yeah. and find, you know, somebody that they can meet with face-to-face and do that that way as well um so what are what can we do about the difficult things in our chart how how do we how do we best implement that that type of information into our lives
1: yeah and this is a big one um, because we all have difficult things in our charts. Right. Right. You right. can't invent. A perfect- Nobody's got
0: like a perfect chart.
1: Nobody has a perfect chart. Done. There we go. <laughs> you take <laughs> so away everybody. anything
0: from this interview. Yeah. And if
1: your chart is too no perfect, is- your problem is probably snobbiness. <laughs> snobbish. <laughs> Snobbishness. No. Um, <laughs> one of the most... Helpful things about astrology when you start using astrological magic, which is where you mm-hmm. actually think you can do things in life to mm-hmm. help affect change in the world, change in yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, if you have a planet you want to help out in your chart, say it's Venus. Right. Donating to a woman's organization on a Friday, which is Venus's day, yeah, is an excellent way to help your Venus. Wow. Like you can actually affect your own workings by giving that some attention and in our culture like giving it some money is one way helping someone yeah who is a child of venus so that would be like someone in a more uh well there's there's a wide range of that but yeah you can you can imagine right. anything goddess related
2: really
0: right right yeah right that's fascinating is there do you have is there another example like a different day of the week Of a different type of energy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: Monday is the moon's day. Right. Tuesday is Mars day. Okay. Wednesday is Mercury's. Right. Thursday is Jupiter. Venus is Friday. Saturday is Saturn. Mm -hmm. This is where we got the names for the weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Sunday is the sun. Mm -hmm. So if you are, say you are a Libra. Okay. You have the sun in Libra. Yeah. That's actually the hardest place to have your sun because mm. there's a special trap in Libra for something that wants to shine as an individual mm-hmm. in a sign that is mostly concerned with balancing others. Mm-hmm. So your own inner radiance is yeah. something that can be challenged by always looking outside yourself. In right. Libra. So, right. say you want to amplify your sun. Okay. Giving to something that empowers leaders, a leadership program. Oh, okay. On a Sunday, yeah, is more helpful than giving to something else on a different day. Yeah, that's just one example. Yeah, even when the calendars shifted, when we shifted to the Gregorian calendar,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we kept we kept the same days of the week. Mm-hmm. Right, the cycle yeah. kept going, so yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So- one way to use it. That's awesome. And I should say that it definitely doesn't have to be money.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but on the day of the week that is appropriate for the planet that you want to shore up in your chart. Yeah. Um, even just knowing that the hour after the sun comes up on that day of the week is mm-hmm. the most potent hour for that planet. Okay. And to just address them, Mm. in a format where you have intention Mm -hmm. and you're holding the idea of that planet in mind Mm -hmm. and start that as a practice can do
0: wonders. Right. So my very last question that I ask everybody that comes on the show is what is something our listeners can do to start feeling radiant today?
1: Mm. (laughs) Just remember that... You are part of this amazing, interconnected, magical being of a solar system. Hmm. I mean, we forget. Yeah. But. It's just, true, we do. You're on the earth and the mm-hmm. first planet that matters beyond looking at any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Is the earth that you're on. hmm And gratitude. Mm-hmm.
0: perfect beautiful helps me oh (sighs) yes well thank you amy for being on the show thank you so much camille it's always a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for tuning in today and for listening Here at the Radical Radiance Show. This is your host, Camille Rose Fields. I'm so excited you've chosen to spend the past hour and a half with us. Thank you. If you made it to the end, thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember, we can do so much just by sharing what we're inspired by so if you were inspired at all by this episode share it online and tag me Camille Rose Fields on Facebook and on Instagram and share it with your friends maybe there's someone who is in your life that could really use this episode today so remember what we do radiates and trickles out into the world and it really does matter And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening so that you can be alerted every week when new episodes come out. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, see ya.